0: Most of what I share is going to be out of Colossians 3. What I'd like to do is just prep that a little bit with some of what takes place in chapter 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, He has rescued us from a dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Um, before I go on, Ryan's dad had a stroke this past week. He's in recovery, seems to be doing quite well. They're praying that his lungs will be healthy. Not sure if it's pneumonia or effects of the stroke. So we'll continue in prayer for Dave Stansky. There you go. Okay. When he says he brings us from a dominion of darkness into a kingdom of the sun he loves, it's not about switching prisons. Seriously, there, there is an attitude sometimes taken on in Christianity that if I follow the right rules and I'm in the right structure, then uh, that's the Christian life. And what we are told is that we are brought into a new kingdom, new rules. And what God really wants to transform is our hearts so that there's a freedom about our lives that we have yet to experience. Uh, When we put somebody in prison, we say, you are no longer allowed to murder people. We're going to put you away, and we're going to put you in these walls. You're not going to be allowed that behavior anymore. When you... uh, You've been stealing from people, we're going to put you behind this setting. You've raped people, we're going to put you behind this setting. It is not in Christian life about stepping into a new set of boundaries, so to speak, that just confine you to keep you from doing what you really want to do. Um, What Paul, Paul gets to the to emphasizing godly behavior, but he's always about this expression of it being a work of the Spirit moving outward rather than us just conforming to a set of codes. That's why early in this book he takes on the thing of don't let anyone tell you that you have to follow these festivals and these uh, meetings and this and that. You know, it's like, If you want that bondage of just saying, okay, I I go to church, so I must be good, you're living in a prison. You haven't really discovered the freedom of Christ and you haven't discovered the joy of of what community is meant to be. So when you come into a new kingdom, the door is being opened up for you to explore something of joy and wonder, but it starts inside, and so in a sense, you live boundaries, yes, it's true, but it's, it's something that you take on yourself and you, you allow to be a part of you so much so that it's, it's not a, a, them making the walls and God saying, you know, here's your structure. Rather, he writes his code in our hearts, and then there's the freedom to, to go where you will, like we have in this society. You know, when, when you are living a life of freedom here, you aren't participating in the things that would put you in prison, but you ex- you have the joy of being able to go where you will. And so in Christ, there's a transformation that comes into our hearts, and it's not about switching prisons, but it's it's stepping into real life and, and the freedom that's offered to us. Now, what... He also builds a couple premises early in this passage and he talks about the the wonder and the awesomeness of who Jesus is. And so you get some pictures. um, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. All things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. These are all declarations of pictures of who Christ is, saying this is the most awesome being of the ages. With that, then, the most awesome being of the ages died so that you and I might live. And we recognize the price that was paid for us to be reconciled to God. It says, once you were alienated from God and enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Most of us don't like to think in those terms. We say, well, I really don't have any enemies. I get along with most people, you know. And we evaluate our behavior by what others are doing and we assume that's good enough. I really, I, I really enjoyed the illustration that came out of that grace-based parenting that you know, the, the declaration was made, who had to teach you how to covet? As a little kid, you, know, you watch them, they're, they're pulling toys away from others and they're insisting that no one else play with them. Who taught the kid that? How old did you have to be to learn that? How old did you have to be to lie? For most of us, it came pretty natural. How old did you have to be to strike out at someone else when they weren't doing what you wanted? He, he draws an illustration. and says, that's how we are as infants. What's the cumulative effect of that selfish lifestyle? If we've been doing it since we were little ones, what's the grand total of our sin? I'd say it's pretty significant if we evaluate it in those terms. How many selfish acts have you participated in? I've been involved in a whole lot more than I'd like to be accounted for. And yet, when we come to Christ, we are saying his priority and his agenda is much more important than even my own he is the one that receives honor it's up to me to come in under his his guidance and his authority and so i i walk in obedience to him and it's not about just gathering to myself and doing whatever seems pleasant for me but it's recognizing that i'm participant in a new kingdom and there are new kingdom rules so to speak new kingdom guidelines. There's a new way of living. And so even though I I have a significant amount of sin as a part of my life, the most significant one has died for me so that I might be set free. And so that he would pay the price that I could walk in purity, unblemished, says, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So it says that's the significance of what your salvation is about. That said, I'd like to jump to the third chapter starting with the 12th verse. And just lay out what what Paul says, this then needs to become our lifestyle. This is our behavior that responds to this salvation. This is how the new kingdom lives. In many of his books, he'll build his theological argument, and then, then he will move into the practical side of things and just say, this is how this gets lived out. This is the wonder who Christ is. This is the situation you were in. Now you've been reconciled. So what comes out now is is this is the, the response that should be coming out of our lives as a result of his salvation. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now there's probably enough there for us to chew on for a long time, right? You don't understand. I'm a Type A personality. Patience really isn't my thing. Well, <laughs> sorry. The New Kingdom principles are, are more important than your personality. Well, you know, I'm I, I, I'm creative. This kind of this this constrains me. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's the new order. Well, you don't understand. I've had some bad experiences. I can't really trust people. You know, so, you know. Yeah, you've had a bad life. Get over it. You're in a new kingdom, and you're allowed to forget some of that and release it. He calls us to this lifestyle and says, these are very important character. Elements that need to be a part of the new kingdom because that's how the new kingdom functions. And so you're moving from darkness into light and and you're being drawn into a difference that affects everything you do. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have may, may have against one another. Forgive us, the Lord forgave you says, in the new kingdom, you were forgiven, so you forgive others. That's, that's part of your life. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It says, this is the overriding principle of the new kingdom. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be Thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to the Lord. 3.17 is is something of a summary statement. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the overriding principle for your life now. This is what you're embracing when you step into the new kingdom. Next he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. In Ephesians, he gives a little more entry. These two, uh, Ephesians and Colossians run parallel. Uh, if you want to, to look at it, it appears that they are written right at the same time. And so he, it's almost like he's following a similar outline. Ephesians says, submit to one another. He at least introduces the idea. It says, here's here's a general, no introduction in in Colossians. And I, I was chewing on that. I'm going, okay, I know that he had never met these people, or it appears that way. He had sent out Epaphroditus. He'd established a church in Colossae and Laodicea, and he's writing a letter to him. He says, ever since I heard about you, I've been praying for you. Praying that you'll grow in understanding, and, and he says, I, "I this is what my life's about." And um, I was sharing the other night in in our small group, and I'm realizing I, I'd watched a a, a thing, voice of the martyrs. Uh, what was his name? Richard Richard Wormbrand. Good to have a good wife <laughs> helping me out. I'd watched a video of him where he'd gone back to the prison cell that he was in. And I think he spent about 15 years in solitary confinement. And he started pacing. A few steps this way, a few steps back. That's about all the distance that he would cover. And he started talking about his prayer life. And he started talking how he would go through the nations. And he'd pray for individuals. And he'd pray for others. And and he, he made the declaration. He says, I forgot what flowers looked like. Forgot what the faces of people looked like. I forgot what, what it looked like outside it all the time. But he, as he's pacing, you realize his tie with reality was just with Christ. Prayer was the only thing he had. And so he's pacing and praying, pacing and praying. And as you watch this video, he just steps right back into it. And, and the picture I have of Paul is that in a similar situation, prayer is, is dominating his life. And he's continue- and, and whenever he hears, he's just praying about you constantly. So that said, he, he, is, he is writing this letter, and there's no precursor. He just makes this statement. He's addressing family issues that come out, behavior issues that come out, and he's taking on some of the complicated things. And he's assuming that in a marital relationship that a husband should lead his family. But in that declaration, he's also recognizing this is one of the complicated points, and you don't do this easily except that you have a hope in the future. You don't submit to anyone in life unless you have this confidence that God is guiding your steps and you have a hope that he is rewarding those who diligently serve him. Nobody does that. So he just makes this statement, as is fitting in the Lord. He just lays it out and says, you know, this is appropriate in the kingdom, so this is what I want you to do. Then he goes after the husbands. He says, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. If you're living a selfish lifestyle, it's really easy to say, well, serve me. You say, well, that doesn't get it either. He says, "You're to love." Now in Ephesians, he puts more meat on the bones, so to speak. He says, "Wives, you're to to love as as the church or submit as the church submits to Christ." Husbands, he says, "You're to love as Christ loved the church and died for her, gave up his life for her." So he, you know, in Ephesians, there's more more. He's developing that thought further. But he's just laying it out whether you understand it completely or not, these are the principles that I want you to live by. Whether you have full awareness of what fits, this is this is the way it should be. And he's saying, Love your wives, don't be harsh. This is not the sum total of marriage, but it's a huge issue, isn't it? I was, I was trying to think, like with my wife and I, I've been married over 30 years. 33 to be exact. I do know the number. Uh, <laughs> how often we discuss or get into submission issues, pretty rare nowadays. For the most part, we understand each other, we're working together. It, it's not. The central issue in our in our lives, but you still don't dodge it. You just say, "That's what he's what he's developed." And what I'm suggesting to you is, if if your marriage is hung up on just these issues, there's a lot more to life that you need to discover. You know, there's there are most of life does not have to be button heads with each other and say, "Well, this is what script." If you're, if you're in that, you're already in trouble. Um, that's, a few years ago when I was realizing how many young couples were getting married here, it was like, okay, do you present this or not? Well, on the front end, I started going, gals, you need to find someone that you can respect and, and follow their leadership. Guys, you need to look for someone that's willing to walk along with you. It, it, otherwise you're going to have a number of years of complication, right? Doesn't excuse it, doesn't get you out of it, doesn't say, well, you don't have to, to respond to this. No, it just says it's going to be much more complicated. But given that, he's, he's laying out a, a family guideline here and saying this is, this is what God desires. This is how he, he built you. And so respond to him. Now he goes on and says, Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. So kids didn't get out of it either, did they? We, only in Christ, and only in the hope of his reward, does it make sense not to just serve yourself. He goes on. Fathers, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I think it's Ephesians, don't be harsh with them. Um, and again, often insecurities in us come out in harshness. You know, you're trying to lead and you're not real sure and you're you're wrestling with... You know, there's a tendency to come out and just... Hammer something and say, This is what's going to be. It doesn't work very well, but you can try it. Um, he's saying, This is not going to take you where you want to go. And, and the other side of that is the selfish person that just says, I want it for me. And the dominating one, and, and, and that's not so good either. But he lays it out and says, Don't be harsh. That's a tendency. You know, I think in, in, in many families too, mom, mom with her compassionate side taking care and dad going, we've got to have some order in this house. You know, and you're wrestling through, how does that fit and work? And he says there's a tendency in dads to just, to, to, to walk in a harshness that, that doesn't help their family. And so he's, Paul's warning, he said this, Don't do this. Fathers, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. He moves on and says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity, heart, and reverence for the Lord. In our day, this is most closely linked to employer and employee relationships where you're doing what someone's asked of you and, and you're working for them. And he says, don't, don't just be doing a good job when they're watching. You're doing this for God. Your, your job is being, uh, you, how you respond in your employment is a mark of the kingdom of God and whether you're walking in it. And so he's saying, this is important. This is essential. This is essential that you live for Christ in your employment. Anyone who, uh, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So he says, more important than this relationship that you have with your employer is that you realize that you are God's ambassador in this situation. You're his messenger, you're his servant. First and foremost, you're serving him and he expects quality work out of you. He expects your best effort and he will reward that. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves what is right and fair because you also have a master in heaven. So employers, he's saying, be aware. You have a big boss (laughs) that is overseeing your life as well. And so again, he's taking all of these relational situations and he's saying this all is in submission to Christ. This is all in service to him now. When you step into the new kingdom, you are saying that I am under his authority. I'm under his guidance. And so it's important for me to give my best effort in all situations. For him. And that's how we live. We are once enemies of Christ, but through the wondrous, amazing, person of Jesus. We've been given salvation. Now we live for him. Stand with me, will you? We thank you, Lord, for your wondrous salvation. We thank you that you went to extreme measures so that we might be forgiven of all and enter into a new kingdom of light. Now God, as we attempt to live that out, show us where every facet of our behavior can be honoring of you. Cause our character to reflect the values of your kingdom.
1: in the way you move has moved me Something about the way you speak has caught my ear Something in your eyes has stolen my gaze Something in your presence has drawn me near
0: There's a critical bridge that we have to make when we're wrestling with our response to people, Or at times we feel, well, they haven't given their fair share or they haven't done what's right. Are you gonna step into their behavior or are you gonna step into what God's called you to? And so the challenge becomes, am I going to do right in spite of what's going on around me? Am I gonna do what He's called me to in material to whatever else has gone on that's the challenge before us and just say god i understand what you're calling me to so now help me to live that true and respond to you i want to pray for god's blessing upon you this what remains is open-ended worship uh, stay and participate there is a meal downstairs following May your blessing rests on these your people May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they see that they have been given a wondrous privilege of new kingdom, living by new principles, living in, under your love and care, forgiven of life. Now, God, as each one goes out into their fields of ministry, I pray that you'll give them words that bring life to others. I pray that their deeds would be uplifting, encouraging, loving toward all. I pray that you enable them with the supernatural. Be exalted, our Lord, we pray. We long for your return. Amen. God bless
1: you. Something in the way you move has moved me. Something about the way you speak has caught my ear Something in your eyes has stolen my gaze Something in your presence has drawn me near I won't forget what you've done Taken this wretched life and called me your son. I won't forget what you've done. Oh, you pour out your love on the undeserving ones. Oh, you pour out your love on the undeserving ones. You pour out. Oh, you pour out your love on the undeserving ones. What's One time? Oh, you pour out your love on the undeserving ones. And you say we're worth it. And you call us your own. on your throne, just to be with us, just to be with us, and you say that we were it. I'll meet will with gifts I won't forget what you've done Take it in, let's life And call me your son
2: And I won't forget what you've done Pour out, your heart, pour out your heart
1: And find me in And
2: you say you're all right And you call us you're And you come down from your throne Just to be with us Just to be with us You come down from your throne just to be with us, just
1: to be with. Your life and call me your son. I won't forget what you've done. Pour out, oh, you pour out your love on the undeserving ones. for out, oh, you pour out your love on the undeserving
2: ones. I won't forget. I won't forget what you've done I'm
1: taking this wretched life And you call me your son I won't forget
2: what you've done pour out, oh you pour out your love On the innocent ones You pour out, oh you pour out your love and is heavy, Pour out, blow your
1: Savior who is just and true, and hallelujah, our God is the
2: Savior who is just and true.
1: in me